WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 113, All About the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, Part 1, being the 113th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Matt, also known as Nerd of the Rings. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. Um, so a lot of people are always telling me, you know, get more. Um, not that my other guests aren't experts and ma- you know massive fans in their own right, but um, I try to have a spectrum of all fans, and it sounds like you'll, you're definitely more on the higher end of, of <laughs> Tolkien knowledge than some of my other guests who are more just casual fans. Um, so why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about you know how you got introduced to Lord of the Rings and what you do with it now? Yeah, so I was first introduced to it by the Fellowship of the Ring film. Um, back in 2002 on DVD, my college roommate um, on the first day of move-in, uh, we made a trip to Walmart and he said, oh, we should buy this movie. It's awesome. And I said, no, nah, that looks kind of stupid. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's always a... Um, Interesting thing to look back on, given everything now. But well, those were my those were also my feelings. Yeah. I had to watch before, well before the podcast. I had to watch the fellowship um, for a film class, mm. and I was like, "This is dumb." <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course, little did I know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I I watched it, and then uh, was absolutely hooked by it, and then got to the end of fellowship, and Sam and Frodo are walking away, and I'm like, "What the." what the crap is that like where's where's the rest of the story literally those are those are the exact thoughts i also i had those thoughts i was like i was like i i don't get it they're not anywhere near mount doom what's going on like they still have to destroy this thing like is 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 there another movie or something and it's like oh turns out there's two more movies and one comes out in a few months you know at that time so yeah and then i went and saw two towers in theaters loved it immediately went out and bought the books started reading through all the books. That's when I discovered there was The Hobbit and that blew my mm-hmm. mind. And then, you know, it's gradually just been this uh, steady slope that I've been uh, gliding on um, through Tolkien. And uh, here about a year and a half ago, I, I'm a videographer by trade and uh, I decided to start a YouTube channel and thought, you know, what do I care about enough to spend my free time working on videos? of and uh really Tolkien was the only the only answer to that question so um yeah I started started uh, about a year and a half ago and uh things are going well I've got uh I think a little over 300,000 subscribers now so it's been a, a fun ride and um you know building a community on YouTube that uh just wants to dive deeper into Tolkien's works that's awesome yeah yeah I was really surprised by um how like fast your your channel has grown because I remember um interacting with you on Twitter like several months ago and I think at that time it I don't remember how many subscribers you had at that point but I I do remember being like oh I need to like pay attention to this channel this will be a good guest to reach out to at some point and then when I reached out to you for you know recently um I was like, whoa, this has really <laughs> popped off. So that's really awesome. Congrats on all of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was all really since like October of 2020. Um, so over the course of about nine months, it went from 5,000 to now over 300,000. So it's it's 
been a pleasant surprise to say the least. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your gen. What were your general thoughts of? I'm assuming maybe you went to go see the Hobbit movies mm-hmm. in theaters and and all that. Yes. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the mm-hmm. Hobbit trilogy? Obviously, I mean to state the absolute obvious. Um, you know they are not on the same level as the yeah. Lord of the Rings. Also, feel free. Do not hold back. Yeah, no. And, all, and... I welcome all <laughs> spectrums of emotions and feelings about these movies. So please feel free to, yeah. you know, really say what you feel. <laughs> well, it might surprise you. I actually, I don't, you know, dis- I, I know there's a lot of people who love Lord of the Rings and especially book fans and stuff who, who can't stand the Hobbit movies. That's definitely not me. I I still enjoy these movies. I would say I genuinely, unironically like these movies. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just that there are faults in them that are not in The Lord of the Rings. Like there are characters, there are plot lines in The Hobbit movies that I cannot stand and I grimace when I see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas that's not the case in Lord of the Rings. Like I can watch, you know, the entire extended edition straight through and not see a single thing that doesn't just bring a smile to my face, you know? But yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, shortcomings. I actually uh, went when Battle of Five Armies came out and did the trilogy in one sitting, like the marathon <laughs> of all three films. Um, oh, geez. Yeah, um, which was a cool experience. And like, it, it did help me you know, I don't. I don't think people do it as often with these movies as with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but it, it does help connect a few dots, um, especially with extended editions. I'd say you know, there's a few small character moments with certain dwarves that uh, that help with their characters because they got kind of get yeah. pushed to the sh- to to the oh, side yeah. in favor of some of the elves. So yeah, th- there's it's like glimmers there of something that you think uh, you know, like oh, I could have really liked this. You know, or, you know, I, I can see a really good solid two movies out of these three movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear you don't totally hate it and that I'm not bringing you on. Uh, oh, no. And screaming. <laughs> no, I, I, I watch these. I don't watch them as often as Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I think there are genuinely great moments in these films. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, so to throw the Hobbit movies out there with some, you know, list of just colossal failures, I think is just wrong. It's a, it's totally off base, uh, you know, to say that they're failures because there are some genuinely fantastic performances in these films and there's some great moments, you know, Smaug, I thought was, uh, brought to life really well, um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think they could have done much better casting-wise for Thorin or Bilbo. They're pretty, pretty spot on. So, oh yeah, you know, yeah. there's there's some things where you know, I I would have a list. I would have a a decent sized list. It's like you know, change these things, and I think they're they'd be perfect. They'd be good to go. But yeah, it's just those those few things. You know, uh, Alfred love triangles, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh those. man! Oh man! Yeah. Uh, well, those things will come up in future episodes. Yes. Um, but I had to get a dig in there, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I've got thoughts. Don't you worry, <laughs> listeners. We'll come back to that in future episodes. Um, so this week's episode we'll cover about it's pretty much it's like the first 40 minutes that I usually get I was I try to divide the movies into 30 to 45 ish minute segments and it like worked out pretty well that for Desolation of Smaug most of them are almost exactly 40 minutes so that's just nice for my brain We flash back to the town of Bree, where Peter Jackson is eating a carrot. Also, Thorin is there, chasing after his daddy issues. I mean, following up on rumored sightings of his father, but with no luck. Gandalf joins in right as Thorin's about to be jumped by sketchy people at the Prancing Pony who are not Strider, and encourages him to take back Erebor and become the king under the mountain once and for all. If only they had a burglar to help. In the present, the company is still being chased by wargs and orcs, because apparently the eagle saving them at the end of Unexpected Journey doesn't matter. Gandalf leads them through beautiful New Zealand scenery to a quaint little cabin in the woods, where we're going to have a delightful time witnessing the ex of our bear host. No? None of that happens? Okay, are we going to spend the majority of this episode talking about that disappointment? You betcha! Over in Dol Guldur, the necromancer promises Azog that he will have Thorin's head because he's going to have everyone's heads when they all die in this giant war he's ready to start. Bilbo wakes in the morning to join everyone for breakfast that is not being served by animals walking around on their hind legs. Bayorn shares his dislike of dwarves, which is great considering this mission is 1315th dwarf, but also explains that he hates orcs more. So he will help them get to Mirkwood, though he does not recommend going through it because he can probably immediately tell this group has five collective brain cells. When the company arrives at Mirkwood, Gandalf all of a sudden gets a very convenient vision from Galadriel, telling him he has to go do something else right now for some reason. Just before he leaves, though, Bilbo is ready to confess that he found something back in the goblin tunnels. It was the portion of Queer Lodgings that Peter Jackson cut from this film. This movie, Desolation of Smaug, kicks off right away with the Peter Jackson cameo. Like, almost within the first 30 seconds, I think. Uh, we are in Bree. And I don't think it's immediately clear that it's a flashback until until Thorin comes in and we realize, okay, this is happening, you know, before the the mission. Um, but yeah, we get that Peter Jackson cameo, which is pretty similar to what he did in the carrot in, chomping. I think it was yes. Fellowship. Yeah, I got the carrot, huh? <laughs> and we also get a cameo. I didn't realize the barmaid mm-hmm. is his daughter, Katie. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize that until I um, paused the movie and I have the movies on Amazon and when you pause it, it'll come up with the cast list and it said Katie Jackson and I was like, I wonder, I was like, that's got to be his daughter. And so that's so crazy. Obviously, these movies were filmed, you know, 10 years after they filmed the the Lord of the Rings movies, but she was tiny little child (laughs) in those first movies and those cameos and now she's old enough to be a barmaid so that's crazy to be like you grew up right before my eyes (laughs) and especially right before my eyes considering i watched the lord the original trilogy like six months ago yeah (laughs) it went a lot faster for you for sure i know yeah (laughs) i will say so one of my favorite one of my favorite like uh amusing moments comes I actually okay I have the time code right here I've, I've got the movie pulled up so I can scrub through so at 520 is when like Thorin he gets he gets his bread and he just kind of like he breaks it apart and he like looks at it for a second and then he just like dives into his bread I'm like man do like what food I, I want to ask people like what food do you love so much as much as Thorin loves plain loves bread, that piece apparently. of bread, yeah, yeah, and that's also. Ju- I was wondering at first. I'm like, what even like is? Because it was like I don't know. It's dark, and I'm like, what even is that? Because the way he's like holding it is kind of weird, and he like yeah, yeah scarfs it in his mouth. Um, but that's I also just like 
the like lack of manners, you know, it's just so mm. it's just how the dwarves are <laughs> when it comes yeah. to food. You know, we saw that in the first, uh, you know, 30 minutes of Unexpected Journey. Yeah, he just totally he's very grumpy and disgruntled <laughs> and he looks around and he does all of these movements where like he looks over in the corner and there's this dark you know this like dark brooding figure and then he looks on another corner and there's another like creepy mm-hmm. guy and i really really expected to, j- to just see strider with oh, his yeah. hood up <laughs> and smoking the pipe and like i just like i know that you know canonically he would not be here and it doesn't make sense for the story but i kind of think it would have been a really fun rant, like tiny easter egg to just have him maybe in the far background you just see <laughs> not even necessarily strider but a dude in the same you know position and everything because yeah. i was i was i was just expecting it <laughs> yeah like a, some other ranger maybe yeah that would have been yeah. otherwise it, it would have i think it would have been like a 10 year old aragorn maybe or something i I know, yeah, which, exactly. Which could have also been fun to see a little yeah, ten-year-old. Ten I don't know about this smoking, smoking and- a pipe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's probably some rules against that. <laughs> yeah, probably eh, probably not in Brie. You yeah, know, that's true. They're in Brie, it's fine. Yeah. So, um, right as Thorin's like, these guys are not looking like good news, and yeah. they're kind of standing up and looking like they're gonna come for him. Gandalf sits down. Eventually, through the conversation, we learn that this is no coincidence Mm -hmm. for somehow through some, you know, random Gandalf magic, Gandalf knew that Thorin would be here at the Prancing Pony Mm -hmm. at this, you know, exact day. Again, don't, you know, I don't quite, I I hate questioning how Gandalf knows anything because usually the answer is just like, it's Gandalf. He knows. He just knows. (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because I've pretty sure i'd have to double check in the books i feel like it is a chance meeting like in the movies here obviously you know thorn directly says this is no chance meeting and gandalf says no it's not this specific scene if you will it is kind of described by gandalf in the appendices yeah, yeah. that was my question because he the what happens in this scene is what sets up mm-hmm. everything that happens in, right. in the hobbit where eventually gandalf is, is the one to be like you need to go and take you know gather up some men mm-hmm. and go and take back erebor and take down smaug so he's the one that sets this in motion and i was mm-hmm. like is this something that the they just made up for the movie like where where is this coming from right. so this actually is from something that Tolkien wrote yes so it, it's kind of a, a modified slightly modified version of that so in the appendices after Return of the King Gandalf is sitting in Minas Tirith and the hobbits and uh, some of the fellowship are they're just talking about things and it, it comes up um, I think the the section is called the quest of Erebor and you know Gandalf says by chance, I met Thorin and Bree. We got to talking, and then Gandalf goes back with him to their home in the Blue Mountains, which is uh, west of the Shire. And that's kind of where Gandalf makes his pitch, like, "Hey, you know, you guys need a uh, a burglar, and you need to go, you know, go to Erebor and take a burglar with you." I've over the course of the next few months, he settles on Bilbo being that burglar and, you know, gets the dwarves to show up there. Um, so, yeah, so this meeting actually is uh, canon in um, Tolkien's world and everything. So I was actually really excited that this is how this film started off. Mm-hmm. I was a little confused because I was like, it doesn't seem to me to be in Thorin's character that he had to be like 
motivated by Gandalf to go do this because mm. he's so you know obviously Thorin is very passionate um, about this cause and very mm-hmm. loyal to his people you know to his to his downfall you know pride mm-hmm. is his downfall yeah and it, it was very confusing for me to be like well, well then why why was it that Gandalf had to be like go mm-hmm. take back your homeland because yeah. it seemed to me that uh, like reading The Hobbit, not knowing this, mm-hmm. you know, this is how it started. I got the impression that this is some this quest is something that Thorin had been thinking, hoping, and planning, and thinking of doing for a while, and then finally, you know, eventually got it going. Yeah. So it was interesting to see that that's not what happened. Yeah, and I think in the books we're kind of led to believe. I mean, we're there's some guesswork, obviously, but um, we're kind of led to believe. You know, had Gandalf not convinced Thorin, like, hey, you should go on a small mission in secrecy, then Thorin probably would have tried to assemble an army to march on Erebor oh, instead. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and and it is interesting, you know, you mentioned that Gandalf kind of has to convince him because that's, that's kind of the tricky thing of showing a flashback with Thorin here because, you know, we only see him when he's kind of risen to wanting to be the king, so to speak. Whereas yeah. I guess I guess in this one, you know, maybe he's still holding out hope of finding his father because uh, and maybe I'm pulling from the extended because I, I kind of blend them together because over the years. But I don't think he mentions Thrain in the theatrical. I'm not sure. But uh, um, no, he does. Yeah, because he, does he? Okay. Uh, Gandalf is like, what are you doing out here? And mm. the reason is because he heard some, oh, the, you his, know, rumor yeah. That his that Thrain, his father, had been seen somewhere, and so he went yeah. to try and find him, and you know there was no sign of him. Um, right. Is this? Am I like misremembering from the hop? I mean, maybe they didn't even like mention what happened to Thrain or anything. Mm. Is this like Thrain disappeared out of grief? Is that a movie thing, or does that also happen in the books? Um. So yeah, in the films. They say driven mad by grief because Thror dies. Yes. Um, and that's all the yeah. way that that all happens. I know because like Azog does not, he is not alive in right. in The Hobbit. Yeah. 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 Azog <laughs> gets killed by Dane actually in uh, okay. in the books at that same battle where, where he gets his hand cut off in the film. Cut off in the movie. Yes. Okay. He actually gets his head cut off, which is much more difficult to come back from. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but the the main orc is Balg. So Balg. Yeah. Uh-huh. So his who we, who son, we do see, yes. they do bring into the movie. Right. But yeah, no. Thrain actually uh, leads them to the Blue Mountains. That's how they end up migrating to the Blue Mountains. Um, you know, after they lost Erebor, they moved to Dunland, and then after Thror is killed, then they march on Moria and have that battle. Um, and then they move to the Blue Mountains after that. And then um, Thrain takes an expedition heading toward Erebor, um, and they get separated. Thrain gets separated, and that's when he gets captured by Sauron's forces in Mirkwood. Um, oh, wow. This is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> sorry, I don't know. I guess, I guess we should talk no, more about no, the movies. I, no, I get... no, no. I, I'm the one who asked because I've been, you know, I was watching. I'm watching, you know, Unexpected Journey, and I'm like, mm. why does this matter? Where yeah. does this come from? They're making all this up, and this makes no sense, and it has no business being here. So I'm the one who asked, you know, like, did Thrain just disappear? Yeah, so he kind of did. It was just... 
So he got, he got different captured. circumstances. Yeah, okay. yeah. He got he got and they, captured. They never and, saw they never saw him after that. Is that right? So then okay. uh, I think I think Balin uh, is one of the ones who's with him on that expedition when he disappears. So then they go back and report to Thorin, and they're like, "Hey, um, we can't find him. So I guess you're the king now. We, lo- we lost him. And it's yeah, like, we lost. Oh no, him. my father died. It's like no, no. We literally no, we lost, lost him. him. We don't know where he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is what. Hope of finding his father is what brings Thorin to Bree into this area. Um, yes. And as Gandalf is setting him up and is being like, um, you know, Erebor needs to be taken back. And I can't remember if he says um, in this conversation, but there's also this underlying issue that uh, Gandalf is concerned that Smaug could be mm. swayed to side with some darkness that Gandalf is kind of aware of mm-hmm. is growing um, and is afraid will grow. Obviously, we know later mm-hmm. that is true. <laughs> uh, so he's concerned that, you know, he's like, really, the dragon needs to be taken care of yeah. is what my main concern is. But kill two birds, one stone. You can also take back Erebor. Mm-hmm. Thorin is like, but I need the Arkenstone. That's like the king. I forget what the, the king the stone. Jewel. Yeah. Jewel, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, and I thought it was really out of character for Gandalf to be like, oh, then you need a burglar, rather than being like, Thorin, you don't need a, <laughs> a stone <rock. laughs> to be yeah. a leader. Right. You know, like, I really expected Gandalf to say, you know, the Arkenstone is not what makes you king, mm. is not what makes you the leader of your people. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't. And so that I found that really odd that Gandalf mm-hmm. wouldn't say something along those lines. Yeah. And I think they, pl- they definitely play played up the importance of the Arkenstone rather than it just being oh, yeah. a really well, cool treasure, when you I was, know? <laughs> when I was looking up some some trivia for, for this movie, that was one of the trivia pieces. And it's like, in the movie, the um, Arkenstone is this really big deal ball whereas in the book it's just a family heirloom yep yep <laughs> i'm like yeah <laughs> it's just like really pretty a really pretty rock yeah, is that, all it is yeah that he really wants yeah yeah so like the whole thing like other dwarves won't follow him because he doesn't have the stone like this yeah, rock that's, yeah 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 it's like that doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> Um, but then, you know, Gandalf saying, well, it sounds like you need a burglar, of course, sets us up for the classic, you know, cut to Bilbo. Yeah, I actually like um, that transition. I thought it was kind yeah, of a fun transition. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's classic. You know, it's like, well, where are we going to get a burglar? Yeah. And then, you know, cut to whatever. And it is 12 months later. It's one of those things, like, um, I, it's a small thing. It just came to me. But it's that that kind of tone that I think, you know, you see the glimpses of like the, you know, the child book story nature of this story yeah. like like what it you know the the difficulty when they were making these is you have to follow up the lord of the rings films with a children's book with the you children know? yeah and so i really wish you know i was really hoping that this would be bookended like i like that they bookended it with ian holm but i really hope that it would be like him telling the story to a bunch of little hobbit kids and that like um there would actually be discrepancies like it, like he'd be an unreliable narrator at times. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. Well, of like maybe like cut. It's like, but and that would also you know call back to what it was like for Tolkien in real right, life. Of, yeah, you know his kid, his yeah. kid being like, but you said it was a a green, green door. door. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and, and even like that's a great I really love that imagining right? him maybe even like at the birthday party yeah, since yeah. we see him talking to the about little the, hobbit children yeah to Peter Jackson's children right. um being like and then there were the trolls yeah. and so I can totally see him being like and we were chased by wargs and then it's like but Mr. Bilbo you said yeah earlier that it was goblins and and he's like well now it's orcs you know <laughs> <laughs> and that would explain yeah. some of the discrepancies from the book to movie yeah. it's like it was goblins and it's orcs and now we have goblins and orcs right. you know <laughs> well and uh, the like the wereworms and i know this comes up later in battle of five armies but you know something like that that just kind of came out of nowhere in the film really um you know something like I that i don't even remember that yeah um, you said i have no because I, I haven't i haven't seen battle of five armies since I first marathoned okay. it um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Whereas, you know, these ones are fresher in my mind. Right. Yeah. So that does, yeah, that sounds out of nowhere. Yeah. It, and it, I mean, there's like a passing mention of them in the books, but, you know, no real description. And so they just show up in this, in the Battle of Five Armies. But then it's one of those things like, well, if Sauron could command those, why wouldn't he bring those up later in Lord of the Rings? You know, it's kind of one of those, it's, it's a convenient plot device to help him burrow underground which was unnecessary <laughs> but um but yeah it's a, something like that i could see like oh and then these giant worms burst out from the ground and then they're like what and then maybe like frodo walks by and is like uncle i think you've had a bit too much to drink right. or you know and then whatever it, <laughs> and then it cuts back to the scene and there's no there's no uh there's no wereworms or whatever <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. yeah, that's so fun. I would have loved so an fun. unreliable narrator Bilbo for this. Because um that's something that I really miss in these adaptations. Like The Hobbit has this really wonderful sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not necessarily like oh it's silly. It just has that very and I think that's also just like British humor. It's very dry and mm-hmm. sarcastic and witty. Um and they there were definitely lots of those moments in Unexpected Journey and particularly in the first, you know, 30 or 40 minutes yes. when they're having, you know, the unexpected party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so sad that we don't have those moments anymore. Yeah. Oh, and actually, did I keep it? I pulled some piece of trivia. There we go. Yeah. Um, Philippa Boyens expressed regret that Guillermo del Toro's version of the movie remains unmade. She revealed that it would have been a very different script and visual elements and would have more closely resembled a fairy tale. Mm. Boyens stated that the most significant script change was to Bilbo's characterization. It shifted and changed into someone who, rather than being slightly younger and more innocent in the world, once had a sense of longing for adventure, but had lost it and become oh. fussy. So it sounds like the you know original vision they had for this was a lot more like how maybe we would have imagined the Hobbit being In adapted. Yeah. So that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. The more you hear about it, the more you think it's like the one of those the greatest film never made or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gosh, I would love like I, there's got to be like concept art and stuff from those days. I would think. But I wonder if we'll in our lifetime, we'll get to a point where maybe Guillermo del Toro will be like, you know what? I'm going to remake the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We'll get the Guillermo del Toro cut. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm I really enjoy his stuff. And, um, you know, the the way he uses practical effects, utilize it. I mean, he still has CG in uh, his movies, obviously, but I feel like there's an over reliance on it in 
these films. Oh yeah. And uh, I mean, I know that's stating the obvious. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of the CG orcs. Like, give me the the guys in suits all day long that are in the Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, Lurts from Fellowship is way more freaky to me than Azog ever is in any of these mm-hmm. movies. Um, but yeah, I would have loved to see what he could have done with uh with some of these things like thinking of you know goblin town and uh um gosh i don't even smaug might have looked totally different it's hard to tell what Gimel my thing is that smaug looks pretty good yeah but when you look at him compared like the treasure and the setting that he's in looks terrible Mm. there are so many like the moment at the at the end of the movie with the molten gold is absolutely awful it's well, I'm like, this is an this is an animated movie, is what I am watching right now. It's not a right. live action movie with, yeah. you know, realistic CG. Like, um, yeah, it's yeah. really it really is there's, a shame. There's those, legit. There are those moments. Yeah, there there are legit a couple shots. Um, one in particular is where um, the 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 big bins on ropes or whatever that uh that they use to haul gold. Um, one of the dwarves like cuts the rope and they land on Smaug and he thrashes around like it looks like a video game cutscene. That yeah. that shot I remember in theaters I was like God I hope they fix that for the Blu-ray they didn't obviously. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, it still looks that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a shame because you know and and uh, you know obviously there's plenty of blame to go around on some of these you know decisions and stuff. But you know the fact of the matter is you look at the pre-production timeline for Lord of the Rings versus for The Hobbit, like how fast they had to go on these movies. Um, you know, it's no wonder these movies have their warts. I mean, I, yeah. I'm honestly, and that's part of the reason why why I still enjoy them um, in addition to like the genuine great moments they have is like, this could have been so much worse. Like by all rights, <laughs> it, by all rights, it should have been much worse considering the timeline that they were working on. Yeah. I believe Bofer says that um at the towards the end of Unexpected Journey when they get out of Goblin Town. <laughs> that could have like, been well, worse. That could have been worse. <laughs> so maybe yeah, we all just need to keep that in mind. It could have been worse. Yeah. So carrying on with where we are in the movie, um, remember how at the end of the previous movie the Eagles came and saved them from the wargs and the orcs and they flew them away to safety. Nope. Just kidding. For whatever reason, they're back to being chased by orcs and wargs. And I don't get the impression that like, oh, they've been traveling for days. It mm. feels like they just picked up it picked up right where it left off. Yeah. And like, how did they like the whole point is that the eagles swooped in and saved you and that you're not being chased, chased. by because that is not what happens in the book. They right. have a very leisurely Uneventful. journey. <laughs> yeah. yeah to Bjorn's house or Bayorn, yeah, however Bayorn, yeah. however way you say it. Yeah, all of a sudden they're being chased by works, uh, by works, works. by or, you know what, I'll just go with it. Yeah, I there, like There are orcs on wargs. Um, yeah, and it makes no sense and it really pisses me off because I'm like, well, then you just, you know, the eagles did nothing for yeah. you. Oh, and then my guests and I were laughing because uh, for that part of the movie, because the eagles dropped them on the top of this mountain in the <laughs> middle of nowhere and then they leave. Yeah. And we're like, how did they get down? Well, I think there's <laughs> supposed to be, because they actually do drop them on the Carrick. I don't know if it's supposed to be that tall. I can't, I don't recall what it's described as in the in the books, but there's some way to get down. 
I guess. But yeah, it yeah. does kind of look funny because it's like, so well, I guess maybe that's you're like, on this that's peak. That's how the wargs Good luck. and them and everything caught up is that they were climbing down yeah. all that time. Yeah. And they are on foot too. You know, the, the yeah. dwarves and everybody, they're on foot. The others are on wargs. So, you know, they're going to. Yeah. So it just it just makes me mad that like it immediately undid, you know, whatever yeah. happened. And for no reason at all, because you could have had a pretty leisurely start. To, like mm-hmm. Two Towers starts off with Sam and Frodo walking around in circles for five minutes yeah. you know you don't have to kick things off with right away with action. an intense action yeah. scene you know you can you can give us you know 10 minutes mm-hmm. to get into the world um which is what i was really looking forward to mm-hmm. and expecting with bjorn's house because um that chapter was one of my favorite parts yeah. of the book um and i was like oh boy i can't that was the the thing that people were saying like what are you most excited to see adapted and i said mm. oh the chapter queer lodgings yeah it's so funny and so random and i can't wait to see it it's going to be so crazy and, and then, then it's not <laughs> it's not it's gone in a flash yeah um yeah so gandalf is like okay we can seek shelter i i know a place mm-hmm. that may or may not it'll be fine <laughs> i'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> and they're like okay um, and so they run away. And even though I'm like, this is all wrong, it's still beautiful mm-hmm. scenery. Oh, yeah. It's definitely still <laughs> that beautiful. beautiful scenery yeah. gets you. I do wonder if, if this whole, you know, if part of this is the result of going from two to three movies, too, because I'm fairly confident. Like, I remember some promotional material. One of the uh, first images, it was like this panoramic and it had basically from the unexpected party to the barrels. And so it kind of like, that was back when it was supposed to be two films. So I kind of have the feeling that the climax of movie one was supposed to be the barrel escape. Um, So all of this- That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I think think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I I think this is the film where you kind of start to see, you know, the cracks in that change from two to three films like i feel like the Mm -hmm. first film is pretty straightforward and solid like there's some yeah the first the first movie is definitely you know holding its own there's a couple moments where i'm like okay we're kind of starting to go off the rails Mm -hmm. and then i think this is where it's just like okay the rails are like we're we're parallel to the to the rails (laughs) (laughs) you know we are off the rails now but at least they're still in sight. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually you get further and further away until you can't even see the rails right. anymore. They're just way, we are way off the rails, mm-hmm. y'all. They're not even in our sight. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I for one, like, I, I think we'd probably be in agreement on this. Like when you mentioned that Query Lodgings is your favorite chapter, like, I feel like this would have been a great scene for a more, you know, storybook child adventure type approach to the film. Oh. You know, and like I I keep going back to the Bilbo narrator thing because I had it in my head before these movies were made and I was just like really bummed that it wasn't (laughs) how they were made. Um, I thought um, because I heard before I watched the movies, I saw something about like how a lot like, oh, yeah, Elijah Wood was brought back for mm -hmm. his for like, you know, a little part as Frodo. And so what I thought was going to happen is that at the end of Battle of Five Armies, it would be Bilbo writing the story and then it pan and then it pans out and it's revealed that the book Frodo is reading at the beginning of Fellowship ah, is The Hobbit. Interesting. And then like you see Gandalf coming up the road. That would have been um, kind of fun too. And I know that that gets into 
territory where like well technically Bilbo doesn't write the Hobbit until like he's in Rivendell right. but you know yeah. whatever <laughs> and I was like oh that would be like that's what I fully thought was going to happen and I was right. almost mad that I had like spoiled myself oh yeah um, and then he showed up in the first you know five minutes and I was like mm. oh oh okay never mind you're just here to <laughs> nail, nail the sign on the door <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they are running from they're running from everything because Bjorn is well we don't know it's Bjorn. Mm. a giant bear mm-hmm. uh, is chasing them um, as well as orcs and wargs I don't know they're and being we, chased and we never see like the the well we do see like a couple shots of the orcs like traveling but we never get a sense of like are they close are they not close like yeah I thought that's what I so I I thought they were like right on their tail and then all of a sudden uh, when they're trying to get into the house it's Mm -hmm. Bjorn who's right behind them yeah yeah so you get it I mean you you get kind of a sense that Bayorn is between them because they both react to Bayorn's like roar um but you until he comes busting out of the woods, you have no idea like how close he is to them. So I yeah. I have trouble like watching that, not knowing, you know, how worried on the scale of like like, oh, they've got to book it to like, oh my gosh, somebody's gonna get eaten. Where are they at on this panic scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not until and I love that, you know, they that the door is just latched and they're like pushing on it and it takes Thorne to run up to the and, front of the crowd oh to God. be like, I have to unlatch this door, I guys. kind of joked in some part of, of the previous movie that like they have, f- the dwarves have five collective brain cells <laughs> and like there's several moments just in this 40 minutes where I'm like, no, it's true. They, they have five brain cells, not even each, just five collective brain cells. Yeah, they're trying to like get in <laughs> It's a latch. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are useless. <laughs> um, and so they open the door and the bear almost try, you know, almost gets in there. I don't believe that the dwarves won that battle of yeah. pushing the door against him. I don't mm-hmm. believe that for a second, but but whatever. Um, and then they're like, so where's our host? And Gandalf is like, that is our host. Yeah. And does like the class. It's like the classic little like Gandalf like smirk or twinkle in his eye of like haha isn't this funny (laughs) (laughs) isn't isn't the situation that i caused hilarious um and he's like that is our host and he explains that he's a a skin changer changer. yeah is the is the term they use um and they're like oh he's cursed and he's like nope it's not a curse it's you know his own his own enchantment yeah yeah and he's like but uh he does hate dwarves so (laughs) FYI, we'll we'll see what happens. And they're like, well, and then he says, well, get some rest. We'll be safe here. And then again, just it happens so many times that I I was looking up some drinking game rules for these movies, <laughs> and one of the rules is take a drink every time Gandalf says something like ominous. Oh yeah, under his breath, and he goes, yeah. They're like, he's like, we'll be safe here. I hope. I hope. <laughs> I'm just like oh, Gandalf, man. why are you like this, bro? <laughs> I w- man, Bayorn to me like is probably the the one of the things that I was most bummed about these movies that there wasn't mm-hmm. more Bayorn. Um, yes, and you know I'm, I I was distraught. Yeah, was... they actually set up you know a really good hook for there being a vendetta between Bayorn and Azog with him saying like, oh you know I'm the last one now. You know, he used to yeah, they used to imprison ins- and torture. Him. Yeah, 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 and it amused him. And like, 
like you know you see the chain on his hand which i guess he wears as a reminder because i know it's I'm not like, there you when not he's a bear you know um <laughs> but but that never pays off in the slightest <laughs> you know if they had followed the book you know not to get too far he ahead shows but, up in but, the battle yeah. of five armies and like plays a very important role in terms it's of dope yeah yeah like, like it's amazing and like you know the way that uh spoiler alert you know certain dwarves <laughs> end their stories oh. um Oof. in the in the books is far superior to to the films and bayorn plays a huge role in the ending of the battle and gosh like they they had a good setup for it like to give their mm -hmm. a personal mm -hmm. you know personal stakes personal connection between the main villain and Bayorn but um you know he just kind of shows up for a couple shots really in Battle yeah, of Five Armies and it. I was really bummed about that yeah it's it's very disappointing so they 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 all go to bed and we see Bjorn outside the house kind of I guess keeping guard mm -hmm. and then we see the orcs watching they're like let's go attack and then they're like no we'll get them on the road or, or whatever and I wanted to see Bayorn fighting because this is what he he when they show up I understand why they maybe would have cut in in the book how they have this very slow introduction where like they all come in like two by two. I get mm -hmm. why they would have cut that because that's a very long, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the movies are getting long. Mm -hmm. We don't need all which, of that. Which they do have. I don't know. Is it okay to mention things from the extended? Like that because they do have a bit of that in the extended. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm going to end up covering the... Ex I did cover the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. because like I was getting messages about like, <laughs> you're like not covering You're not the doing this right. Well, and I was like, Jesus Christ, people. <laughs> like it was really... And people are intense about the oh, Lord yeah. of the Rings extended, but I haven't really gotten that vibe about mm. the, the Hobbit extended. Yeah. just people being like you should watch them because mm -hmm. they add a couple you know worthwhile scenes so I yeah. think I might end up watching them like on my own time yeah um, but that, that that does at least make me happy to know as an aside <laughs> I would like I don't usually bother with unexpected journey extended I don't think the one that I do is battle of five armies because there's a couple scenes with Bofur in particular that are really like good for his character and his relationship with Bilbo. Um, that I cannot fathom why they would not keep that in because mm -hmm. it mirrors so perfectly the moment from uh, Unexpected Journey when Bilbo starts to leave um, and it comes right as he's about to leave to give the Arkenstone to Bard. And uh, it's this moment, it's so good. Like, I don't know why, why they would cut that. Um, but yeah, so you should check it out at some point. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Yeah, so so in the book, then when Bjorn's like, okay, you know, come in. We I've given you dinner and everything. You guys go to bed. Absolutely do not leave. Do mm -hmm. not leave this house until the sun comes up because you might die because I'm going to be out there doing bear stuff. Yeah. And then it comes back with like the goblin head, like goblin leader's head on a pike. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he's like pelted a warg or something. And he tells us about like, oh, yeah, I went and tracked the pack. And then I basically like kill all of them or scare them away or ball. And like, I wanted to see that. Right. I wanted to see. Bjorn in 
bear mode. Yeah. <laughs> going at it. Right. And and we don't see that. It's so disappointing. How great would that have been if they would have killed off Azog that way? And then let right Balg, off the bat, yeah. then let Balg take over. It's like, oh, you thought you thought Azog and Thorin were gonna have a, a throwdown at the end? Psych. <laughs> He's no, gone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the goblins and them are talking, and then we see Bilbo um, going, to, he's a, he's the only one awake, and mm-hmm. he takes out the ring and looks at it, um, and then that's like our transition to seeing what's going on on the dark side mm-hmm. of things, as I, I guess as I'll refer to it, because <laughs> we have all these multiple, multiple plot lines happening in this, in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose it is interesting to see like how Sauron, you know, came to be and, and the events leading up to that. But I don't find myself super interested in it because I I know that nothing that happens on that side of the plot in, in these movies is going to be successful eventually. Mm. You know, like I know yeah. that whatever they do isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. And I know how ultimately it ends. So I'm not super interested when we cut to the orcs and Azog are in Dol Dolgoldzer. Yeah, I struggle yeah. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Just garbled nonsense words. Anyway, <laughs> Azog is standing there talking to the necromancer and mm-hmm. i like this imagining of the necromancer it's just this like moving shadow, shadow. Yeah. um and actually where is it um so peter jackson admits that he misread the text when depicting the eye of sauron in the lord of the rings mm-hmm. trilogy sauron's appearance in this movie as a black apparition forming the pupil of the eye is much closer to tolkien's description so i think that's hilarious that mm. Tol- that peter jackson misread lord of the rings when he made the eye of sauron and then is like kind of like retroactively fixing that here with like he's a mist (laughs) so the eye of sauron is basically well it's a symbol for one so like it's what the orcs wear um and it's basically a a a symbol of for his like unrelenting um vigilance in Mm -hmm. you know watching over these lands and the symbol like i'm always watching you and like this hopelessness yeah it's it's much more an abstract thing when i was reading the when i was reading the lord of the rings the books before seeing the movies or anything i thought it was just you know like a like oh the eye of sauron i mean that's what they say in um handmaid's tale they're like the eyes are watching oh yes what they they refer to as like the secret police yeah yeah basically yeah who are all you know and i was like oh yeah the eye of sauron yeah it's just you know sauron is this Mm ever-present you know dark evil yeah He's always yeah. watching and it's like no it's an eye it's it's an eyeball <laughs> it's big yeah <laughs> yeah so that is one thing like and it, it i'm sure it helps because i saw the movies before reading the books so like right i yeah. i was able to get over that i know there's people who read the books much you know decades earlier and so they have a l- lot of trouble with that so i think i got got myself a pass because of how i came into tolkien um had i been a big book fan first i think the eye would be one of the biggest things to try to to get over like this giant glowing eye like what the heck is that (laughs) (laughs) so in this scene where azog is talking to the necromancer the necromancer is like war is coming get ready and azog is like but what about oakenshield and i'm like what does oakenshield what does Mm -hmm. thorin have to do with anything like why is thorin so 
special yeah. that you know at the beginning of the movie there's this bounty uh right. you know there are all these bounty hunters after him um and there's a price on his head and i'm like why is this not necessarily even like full king of the dwarves because they haven't mm-hmm. he hasn't like stepped into that role mm-hmm. officially yeah. really and i'm like why is he so important like yeah. why does it matter to sauron what what Thor and Oakenshield is up to. And it really doesn't like in in the books no, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. at all. Like at all. <laughs> it's good. so I guess it's just this personal vendetta between Azog and yeah. the dwarves and yeah. Thorin. Yeah. It's much more, you know, in the uh Battle of Five Armies, part of it is, you know, Gandalf kills the Goblin King, um which riles up the orcs in the Misty Mountains. And then they're joined by orcs in the oh shoot. I can't think of the northern mountain range, but there there's like two factions of orcs and goblins and wargs that gather together and it's more of a a power play for the mountain because Smaug is dead. Yeah, yeah. The, like the fact that like S- Sauron, you know, he has the ring of power from Thrain already. So like it's not like the dwarven ring of power is in Thorin's possession. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense why why he would care so much about Thorin. I know. I don't know, man. And that and that's basically what. Yeah. So I guess we should say the necromancer because at this point. He's oh right. Not yes. Sauron. Spoiler alert. Whatever. I was saying. I was saying Sauron too. Um. Uh, and he's like, because Azog is like, but what about Oakenshield? And he's like, all will die. He's like, don't worry. Yeah. Like, uh, like you promised. You promised me his head. And it's like, don't worry. You'll have it. Like, like a million other people yeah. will die. Everyone will die. Don't worry about it. And We're gonna kill Thor a lot of people. will be among those people. Yeah. <laughs> So the necromancer is voice is also voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. um, and he suggested writing and reading the necromancer's black speech backwards, mm-hmm. and then having the editors reverse the recording to make it sound more demonic. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually going to bring us into a very unexpected segment. When I was covering the Lord of the Rings movies, Matt, um, I had a segment every week called "Is Viggo Mortensen Actually a Ranger?" Um, where I just shared all this behind. <laughs> the scenes trivia about all the ways in which Vika Mortensen might actually yeah, be a real life much. ranger. And very unexpectedly, that is this week's segment of is Benedict Cumberbatch actually Sauron slash Smaug? <laughs> because there's a lot of really interesting trivia about Benedict Cumberbatch and his involvement mm. um, with with the films in a way that makes me that brings a lot of the same cheer to to my life um, as reading the Lord of the Rings yeah. movie trilogy and being like, wow, people were really like these actors and everyone was really invested in making yeah. it really cool. Whereas, you know, the trivia I read for The Hobbit is like, Ian McKellen was really depressed while filming <laughs> right. the movies and almost quit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not That's fun. not what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I was very pleasantly surprised to be reading all these things about Benedict Cumberbatch and, and his involvement with these movies. So over the coming weeks, listeners, we will hear more and we will answer the question once and for all, is Benedict Cumberbatch actually <laughs> Smaug and or Sauron? <laughs> And I love, like, I know you'll get into this in later ones, but with Benedict Cumberbatch, the fact that he did, like, all the motion capture for Smaug, like, writhing around on the floor, and, and then like, they didn't use didn't, any of it. He didn't have to. <laughs> he didn't have to. It's like, there's oh. so much footage of him, like, rolling around and, like. He's, like, really invested in it. Oh, he's so in into it. it. And it's amazing, but it's, like, 
no one asked. It's like, we didn't ask him to do this. Yeah. He just came in. He brought his own mocap suit. <laughs> and I will say, that's another one. I meant, So I mentioned, you know, oh, Martin man. Freeman as Bilbo and Richard Armitage as Thorin. But Benedict Cumberbatch was a great choice for even Smaug's if, yeah, voice. Yeah, even it's just a like, voice. Oh, my yeah. gosh. His voice is so... It's really great. That was one... Like, I had already... I knew of him from Sherlock before that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, he has a fantastic voice. Like, this Smaug is going to be legit. (laughs) Which I wonder... So, I, um, I know that they rearranged the whole production schedule to fit Martin Freeman's filming schedule with Sherlock. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like they're filming Sherlock and then, you know, they're they go on break and Martin Freeman is like, okay, I gotta go film these movies and Benedict Cumberbatch was like, like I'll come with that you. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come with. <laughs> I wonder if they have a part for me. <laughs> so yeah, the necromancer we learned from this scene is build is ready to build up an army mm-hmm. and the other orcs are like, what should we do? Should we call off this fight, you know, this chase for uh, the dwarves and Oakenshield, and then he's like, Bolg! <laughs> and then they bring in Bolg, yep. who I don't think we, like, I know that that's his son mm-hmm. from, you know, my knowledge of the books. I don't think right. we necessarily know that here. Yeah. They basically send Bolg out on yep. this on this mission. Um, I guess he's their, like, secret, I don't know, yes. star or, like, secret weapon. Yes. And so, um, I don't know, have you seen any of the uh, original designs for Bolg? I have not. Was it terrifying? It was, <laughs> I know that he was a. I know he was a last minute addition, and that was. Yeah. Um. There are a lot of things I'm reading about, like oh, the the sound editors and digital designers and stuff were working last minute because of X Y Z, mm-hmm. and I know that Bolg was a, a last minute addition. Yeah. So I think they they kind of went back and forth on it, like whether this design was for Azog or Bolg, but it was basically the main baddie orc, and he actually shows up in um battle of five armies the it's the orc that gets gandalf out of the cage that has kind of like blood in his like i think he has a beard or something but yeah so it's like it's one of the few practical effects um orcs that you get a really good look at but that was actually there's actually a movie poster that was sold for a while like at the very beginning you know when they were still shooting for him to be a practical effect um so he just he just pops up in battle of five armies later but um seeing bulg here reminded me that there were at one time plans for either bulg or azog i think they went back and forth on it but they were going to be practical effects and i'm i'm a big fan of the practical effects orcs yeah that's why they yeah those really hold up yeah a lot better because i'm watching you know my perspective of I watched the Lord of the Rings movies, which were made from late 90s mm-hmm. to early 2000s, you know, for the first time in the year 2020 on a, you know, big high definition TV. Yeah. Some of the like things like the Balrog and um, Moria did not really hold up well in, you know, my eyes. Mm. And that could have been the whole movie had they not had a lot of those practical mm-hmm. effects. Yeah. It's definitely one of those where I think 10 years from now or something will look back on Lord of the Rings and be amazed at how well it holds up even, you know, 30 years after it's come out and the Hobbit movies it'll be 15 years after they came out and we'll be like, "Oh, wow, that that CG looks pretty old." I mean, hey, here we are, I don't know, 7 years yeah, later and I'm true. still I'm already know, not we're too already impressed, complaining. So, 
<laughs> yeah, eight years later. Yeah. So the next morning, uh, Bilbo wakes up with a nice CGI bumblebee mm-hmm. <laughs> on his face. This movie's in 3D. <laughs> I know. That's what. Yeah. There's a lot of moments where I'm like, they they must have had 3D showings. Or oh something. yes. I don't yeah. know. So this so this is actually. So you you totally missed out on this, but these movies were released in high frame rate 3D. So they were shown at 48 frames a second instead of the traditional 24 frames a second. So it was like a whole thing. It was supposed to be like the next great uh, technology for cinema. So like it was, you know, a lot of people were saying like, you know, the Hobbit movies for high frame rate will be like Avatar was for 3D. Um, oh, and then a lot of I people guess that didn't happen. Yeah, people <laughs> were not just that case. <laughs> so. So I actually really enjoyed it. I and I acknowledge that I'm probably in the minority on that because I've I've heard a lot of people didn't like it because they felt it looked um, like soap opera ish um, in the high frame rate. Um, mm-hmm. I I made a mental decision about you know five minutes into the movie. I was like, wow, this looks. It, it just looks really real because you know, the the high frame rate, I was like, I'm gonna like envision that this is me looking through a window into Middle Earth. And like that totally shifted how I looked at this. Yeah. And and honestly, like I I'm one of those who who struggles watching three D movies because of the um the it kind of looks jittery to me with twenty with only twenty four frames. And it's nice and smooth with 48 so like big action sequences i actually really loved in 48 frames because um i felt like you could see and soak in a lot more of the frame as opposed to a traditional um 3d at 24 Mm -hmm. frames so that's so cool yeah Yeah. what a like unique interesting way to experience these movies yeah Yeah. that's something that's something that um i do like think about a lot of like man it really is a bummer that like i don't i never got to i mean granted if i had gotten to experience you know the movies and theaters i wouldn't be doing this podcast yeah the fact that like oh i'm not gonna see the lighting of the beacons on a big screen and a crowd of people who are excited to see that too for the first time yeah and like i might be able to experience you know to experience some of that you know maybe like some screen local screenings or something Mm -hmm. but like yeah there's definitely a lot of those experiences like the yeah like the 3d stuff that you're mentioning yeah and that that's something you know the 48 frames thing you know and and like i said it's not for everyone and a lot of people didn't dig it but it's just kind of one of those things it's like it was there you could experience it but now like you can't see that anywhere like it's it's just gone yeah yeah Yeah. so it's unless you have a lot of money and you paid someone to do (laughs) that for you yeah yeah you like (laughs) bought a movie theater projector that (laughs) could do 48 frames i don't know how that would work man original (laughs) file i don't know how it would work either (laughs) yeah who knows who knows um so yeah bilbo's woken up and like i will say this little these little moments right before they kind of like go into this conversation is kind of what I envisioned a lot about Mm -hmm. queer lodgings um because there are these there are all these ponies out in the pasture and there are the yeah like bees buzzing around and there's like gardens and everywhere and that's totally how I imagined um Bjorn's house um and it's just a bummer that we don't really get to to sit there with it Mm. um also where are my animal servants walking around on their hind legs serving the dwarves where is that where is that and like that's something that it didn't you don't even have to explain it you can just put that in there Mm -hmm. 
and just have it be in it's not going to add anything to the runtime yeah. for them to just be there because that's not even it's not even like uh Bjorn goes into a backstory about like why he has these animals, right, you yeah. know, as servants. You know, they yeah. just are there, <laughs> and we get no explanation. So like, we could have had that. Yeah. I think and we didn't. Yeah, I think that's you know that's probably a casualty of trying to match tone with Lord of the Rings. You know, um, I know. Like it, it comes up so often. You know, I'm sure we'll mention it a few more times before this is over. But like, it's just a completely different book for a different audience. Uh, age-wise and everything it's much more fantastical and whimsical yeah Um, and so matching the tone you know having kind of like prancing animals on their hind legs serving food would you know it's very silly yeah it's silly and like this is not I guess supposed to be a silly movie right which again Um, I'm gonna keep going back to this I'm gonna keep beating this dead horse which again would have been a great (laughs) unreliable Bilbo narrator like making something up the kids are like the kids are like wait there were animals what do you mean? yeah walking what do you around mean there serving were animals food? serving you yeah yeah, yeah. that like, would have been I don't great. believe yeah. you it's like no it, yeah it happened they were there <laughs> they were there that would have been really fun yeah so Bilbo joins everyone um I can't tell not to like harp on every single piece of CGI that looks bad but even the milk he's pouring looks like they CGI'd the milk coming mm. out of the pitcher. Like as soon as I noticed it, I couldn't unsee it and it looks really, really fake. And I'm like, you couldn't have just had a pitcher of milk. And like it could be maybe they did actually pour milk. I don't know. I didn't notice that. But when he's pouring it, I'm sorry, I, I just and it for everyone listening, I just broke that allude. You know, it's one of those things that like once once I noticed it, I couldn't. <laughs> not every t- every other time in the scene that someone pours milk i would i stared at it and i was like that doesn't look real that does not look like actually pouring milk and i'm like why could you not have done-? and i suspect it's because they needed to cgi the dwarves in for you know the perspective mm-hmm. and so they're like well we can't have him actually pouring milk because they're not there or something you know whatever but but anyway <laughs> yeah they're all sitting down and, and eating breakfast um, and Bjorn is talking about, like we mentioned earlier, he has, he does not like the orcs either because they, he's the only one left as a result of what they did to his kind. And, uh, it's very dark and ominous and, t- and I'm just like, that's really sad. Whereas it's a lot more fun in the book mm-hmm. of, of them being like, Gandalf, what do you know about Bjorn? And his, and he's like, no one knows where he came from. So anyway, let's go to his house. <laughs> like that's just kind of it. Yeah. And so uh because Beorn has this very sad backstory with the orcs, he's like, I, you know, I hate dwarves. They have no it's a really it actually is a very sweet little moment mm-hmm. where there's a mouse um like on the table, on the table. and one of the dwarves like brushes him away yeah. and then he Beorn picks it up and it's just so gentle with it. And I love um, you know, a, you know, a gentle giant. Yeah. And I love that he cares so much for, you know, nature and these creatures and animals that are with him. Even just like that small moment, you know, despite the fact that they totally butchered this entire chapter in the adaptation, they at least did, you know, have that little, you know, character piece Mm -hmm. for Bayorn in here. Yeah, there's there's so much, uh, you know, again, like like I said, it's it's one of the things that I was most bummed out by was that we didn't get Mm -hmm. more Bayorn. Yeah, I don't know, you know, I'm sure for runtime, like you probably couldn't spend a ton more time well, in his house. Like there's there's a little bit mixed. That's my issue Yeah, here. There's, there's a little bit more 
you know, like I said, in the extended edition, you know, so I kind of blend them together because they do do the uh, come out two at a time. And so that's, it's a little bit more of that, you know, playful comedic tone that you get in The Hobbit, uh, in the book that is. Um, mm-hmm. So you get a little bit more time with him in the the extended. Um, Except, I guess yeah. it, it's more so, you know, come battle of the five armies. I was really bummed that we didn't get more Bane. I just, I just love mm-hmm. his character. He's so cool. Yeah, he's so cool. That is like my big. So I, I guess let me let's let's first finish up this scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bayorn is like, okay, I will. You know, I hate. I, I do not like dwarves. They, you know, look down on people. And mm-hmm. that's that moment where he picks up the mouse and is like very gentle with it. Um, and then he's like, but I also hate orcs. So, yeah. I hate you know, or- it, but you orcs, know an I enemy of more. my enemy yeah. is my friend. Right. Um, so he agrees to help them and they get sent off on some of his ponies, ponies yeah. and and go to Mirkwood, which he does warn them because they're like, we're going to go through Mirkwood. And he's like, there are rumors there that, you know, darkness is rising Mm -hmm. and, you know, spiders and creatures and, you know, the necro, I don't, I don't know if he exactly says the necromancer, but definitely like alluding Mm -hmm. to like all of that is growing in Mirkwood. And they're like, well, we have to do it. And then, yeah, and then they're off. And so that is about maybe a four minute scene when you look at Queer Lot, the chapter of Queer Lodgings yeah. in The Hobbit, it's a decently a lot of those a lot of the Hobbit chapters are very short. Yeah. They're like five to eight pages, and it's an and entire Queer chapter. Lodgings is is yeah. a whole chapter, and it's a it's not a long chapter, but mm-hmm. it's a normal sized chapter. I thought. <laughs> Because my my perspective going into these movies, I was like, okay, they made a they made three two and a half hour movies out of a two hundred fifty page book. There's no way they cut anything. anything. Like they yeah. obviously used everything and probably even like expanded on a bunch of stuff that doesn't need to be expanded on. Mm. So never in my wildest imaginations did I think that they would have cut all of this stuff with with queer lodgings when it takes up like a good portion mm. of the, like the ratio or whatever of like what queer lodgings is to the whole thing mm-hmm. and so it's the fact that they cut a lot of things that were in the book and added a lot of things that don't need to be in the movies mm. is just what's a gosh darn shame <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like really upsetting. And I, you know, am like eating my own words here where a couple weeks ago I was doing an episode uh, of like Q&A episode before I watched the movies and was like, I really don't think there's going to be anything that I'll be mad if they change or, or whatever. <laughs> I cannot believe that they cut all of this really and it would have been a really great way to start off the mm-hmm. second movie of having some moments of calm and it's a really good way also to provide you know like how um seri- movies go in a series there's always that part towards the beginning of like the second movie or the third movie or whatever there's always like a little bit of like we're gonna drop in these exposition things mm-hmm. for the people who maybe didn't see the first movie or you know it's been a while and so we need to remind them so this would have been a really good place for them to come in and they sit down <laughs> and they can rehash some of what they've gone through with Bayorn and and having some moments of calm and whimsy mm. before we go into the action. Yeah, I, I will say I actually there. I actually do like you know you mentioned you know how a lot of times in films they kind of like put in some exposition recap in case you haven't 
seen previous installments. I actually admire that about all the Middle Earth films that they don't do that. They don't like, it's like you're either in this for all of it or like you're going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I actually appreciate that. But yeah, I think, um, and I, I don't mind. I was actually excited to see, um, you know, what Gandalf was up to during this time. Um, because you do wonder that as you're reading the book, like what the heck was so important? (laughs) Gandalf ran away and now we get attacked by spiders, you know, but yeah, it's unfortunate that it it came at the cost of stuff like Bayorn's house that's so iconic and um mm-hmm. you know that a lot of people are really big fans of and it's it's again, you know, we we see this a lot with these films I think um and this is just my theory that like going from two films to three just kind of messes with the tempo and the balance of the movies as a whole. Like yeah. like uh you know, it, it's almost like this is getting rushed, like the the Bayorn stuff's getting rushed, whereas, you know, if you had planned this as three movies from the beginning, I don't think you would have rushed that's that. What's, it's so odd to me that the last movie is so much shorter mm-hmm. than the, the, the first two, and yet there are things that were cut and mm-hmm. there are parts that feel really rough. It's very, yeah. the whole, um, I would say, especially with these last, with the the last two movies, it's very unbalanced mm-hmm. where there are a lot of parts that feel really rushed. And yeah. then there are a lot of parts that I'm like, okay, we could have ended this battle five minutes right. ago. This <laughs> is very drawn out. Yeah, yeah it's very, it, yeah. it needed to be, ba- and it really sounds like it was a very, I know that they initially started you know with this idea of it being two movies mm-hmm. but i thought that the the change to three movies was at least you know early enough on in the process but it sounds yeah. like the more and more that i'm reading about it that it was kind of a not necessarily last minute mm-hmm. but it was definitely not an idea that they had when they were planning things yeah, out yeah i think i think it was announced a little bit before unexpected journey came out in theaters um so yeah, I, I I keep going back to I'm like I'm fairly confident you know after watching these a fair number of times and um from things I've read that like I said the barrel sequence I think would have ended film one and so with that in mind I could see why Bayorn's house where it falls in the story why it would have been rushed right why it, why it would have been trimmed down and not they wouldn't have like really soaked that in and like mm-hmm. had a prolonged stay there. But then when you cut it into three films, like you actually have the time to do that. But it's, you know, like who who knows if they would have already filmed that stuff by the time that decision was even made. Like, right. like yeah. making yeah. changes like that in the middle of production. I can't even imagine. Like I said before, it could have been so much worse. Um, <laughs> could like, have been worse. Like I would not have wanted to be the person, you know, trying to to change this on the fly from two th- films to three and try to make it make sense. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, we'll see this pop up a lot where, you know, something feels rushed that doesn't seem like it should have been, you know, especially for fans of the book. Um, and I think if, if it had been a trilogy from, from day one, when they were scripting that it probably would have been paced differently in a lot of these points. Right. Yeah. Cause I don't think also like, you know, spoiler alert, but like, Smaug dying at the very beginning of oh my Battle of Five Armies, like that's that's a that is a climax moment to a film. It makes no sense, and like it coming at the beginning of a movie, like it's one of my favorite scenes of this whole trilogy. So like, there's times where I'll throw in Battle of Five Armies just to watch Smaug attack Lake Town 
and get shot down and everything like the dialogue with him like taunting bard and everything i'm like this is a great adaptation of and this and then yeah and then you end yeah you you know and then the title sequence comes up it's like yeah you end it when the title card comes up and then you're like wow i'm so glad i just finished watching desolation of smoke desolation of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then and then you know you come in the next day and you start yeah. and then it's like i'm so glad this this is the beginning of desolation of um battle of five, five armies, armies yeah. right now right <laughs> with this title card and nothing happening yeah. before it this is when it when it starts right um so yeah, we say goodbye to Bjorn. Oh my God, what a what a shame! So we move into Mirkwood, um, and uh, I like the way that they have um, the the darkness of the ring and the darkness of the woods kind of playing together. Um, as Bilbo is looking, he he has the ring in his mm-hmm. pocket um, and is fiddling with it, and Gandalf is going into the woods and um, how like. He all of a sudden he like rips down some some vines and there's like yeah. I think it's supposed to be like the eye of Sauron or, yes. or some other kind of you know yep. dark mark, um, not to be confused with the dark mark <laughs> from Harry from a different fantasy trilogy. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and Bilbo, the the ring is like you know if you have captions on it says something like you know muttering and black mm, speech yeah. and and stuff like that. Um, and then Gandalf gets a random. Vision. I don't know how the telepathic elf mm-hmm. thing works. I kind of went along with it in the Lord of the Rings trilogy yeah. because it would be moments between Galat. It was like Galadriel and Elrond yep. were having like telepathic moments yeah. or whatever. Don't understand it here, but she appears in his in Gandalf's mind and is like, "You need to go and deal with." Um, the growing darkness in Dol Guldur. And he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to (laughs) go. See ya. (laughs) And Bilbo, the way that he is like, you're not, you're seriously leaving us every time you leave us something bad happens. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't leave us. Like, you're not seriously going, are you? We just got you back. Um, that's what that's exactly i mean that that does make bilbo pretty relatable to me because i'd kind of be like um how about no gandalf like yeah and every also, time gandalf you leave the one who dragged him into the right. mission in the first place and he kind of just got on better terms with the dwarves like up until now they've been really mean to him mm-hmm. so gandalf is like his only buddy yeah <laughs> and he's like i gotta go i can't tell you why but i gotta go i'm, I'm out <laughs> Yeah. Um, And so he goes off and, you know, says, you know, stay on the path. Whatever Mm -hmm. you do, don't leave the path. Yeah. And then the. Oh, actually, actually, before he goes, though, there is a moment where Bilbo is about to say, he says, I found something in the goblin tunnels. And this is such a great martin freeman yes. as bilbo moment he i mean he excels the whole movie but like this moment he starts saying he's like gandalf i i i have to tell you something and it's almost reminiscent of like a child confessing yeah. something to their parent of like i messed I up, messed up. Yeah. um i found something in the goblin tunnels and there's this long dramatic pause and then he goes my courage yeah. i found my courage yeah. <laughs> and that moment of so like good the goodness and like the good naturedness of the hobbit wanting to tell the truth mm-hmm. versus 
the ring wanting to remain hidden and all of that working together in, you know, in Martin Freeman conveying all of mm-hmm. that is just amazing. Yes. And then also play it against Ian McKellen and Gandalf being like, I don't think that's what you meant to <laughs> right. say. I something's up. I can't place my finger on it, but that's a problem for another. That's a problem for future game. Right. Yes. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I've got yeah. I've got some business to tend to <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. Um yeah, and I I there's going to be another scene coming up here after the spiders where I mm-hmm. think is one of Martin Freeman's like best moments oh, in this. It's so good. It's so You're good. Pro- we're, I think yeah, we're, we're probably yeah. thinking of the same moment. It's great. He's I'm so so glad that they like worked the entire production schedule yeah. around his he was a great filming schedule because he's excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, I've said uh, in other episodes that like anytime I feel myself getting to, I don't want these episodes of the podcast to be super negative and for people to listen to them and it's just me complaining endlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was joking that like anytime I feel myself getting too negative, I just need to be like, okay, what was Martin, Martin Freeman, Freeman doing, doing in this in this scene? <laughs> because he's always he's always great. I don't think there are really any moments where I'm like, oh, I wish he had done this yeah. or, or whatever. He's really excellent. Yeah. And like, I kind of wish he had gotten like an Oscar nomination right. for his performance. Yeah. That, like it's that good. It's- it's really good. And I will say, so a quick note on, on Gandalf's stuff here for from a lore perspective, because he mentions the High Fells. And I know, so we won't get to it in this one where he actually goes there, but the High Fells where uh, like the Witch King and the Nazgul are buried right. or whatever. So that's totally made up. They were never uh, buried or anything like that. Um, but the location they say is Rudauer, which actually does make a lot of sense in terms of generally speaking the lore, because that is um, part of Arnor, which was like the Northern Kingdom where uh, right. where Elendil ruled and everything. Um, so that's where the Rangers come from. So when Arnor breaks up in earlier in the Third Age, they break up into like three separate realms and one of them is Rudauer and it actually allies itself eventually with the Witch King. It allies itself with Angmar. So okay. I thought it was kind of an interest like it's a totally created scenario and location, but the fact that they chose Rudauer was kind of an interesting little tidbit there. So but I'll leave you guys to discuss that in a future episode when you get to future the, episodes. the high falls. Well, future episodes probably won't. Uh, maybe I'll like take that and cut it in there for that episode because <laughs> um, I guarantee I'm not going to remember like any of the intricacies of like what you just <laughs> explained. <laughs> Sorry, I have a tendency to go into a lot of detail. No, and- no, no, no. <laughs> I love hearing all of that and that's why I asked you to come on is because you know, you know stuff like that. So... <laughs> And that is where we are going to leave this week's episode. I did not plan to make this a two-parter, but then Matt came in with all of this extra background knowledge and was just telling me all of these really cool things about things that I didn't even know that I wanted to know about. And I didn't want to cut any of that because I know that a lot of times you guys want that kind of information too. So we are going to get one more week of all of this wonderfulness and learning all of these things that you didn't even know that you wanted to know about. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Bacon and Eggs. 
Howdy, Yokes. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Hill. And we host Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. It's the most roll-your-eyes-I've-seen-it-before concept for a show. But with new hosts, I promise. Each week, we sit down together and watch a beloved movie. We start by looking at some critical and concrete points and let our conversation flow from there. We've covered all sorts of movies, from Jaws to Little Women. From the Lego Movie to the Lego Movie 2. From Marvel to Star Wars. From Back to the Future to Back to the Future Part 2. And tangents from our frustrations with fast food. To discussing our fear of the Mighty Loon. So if you want a podcast that makes you laugh, download Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. With new episodes available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on WBNE.org. Ghostbusters 2! I, I, my, my hope and dream was that you would say that. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can follow him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod and also join the Facebook group that is linked in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. We are approaching fall cozy time season. I say that even though it'll definitely still be at least 80 degrees for another two months where I live. Um, But if you want hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, long sleeve shirts, all that cozy stuff, and you want to support your favorite podcast, and you want to show the world that you like Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings based puns, you can get merch for this podcast by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash pod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. As always, you can join Discord for $3 a month. Discord is always a wonderful, wonderful place to be. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Alan. Alan, thank you so much for all of your continued support of That's What I'm Talking About. I very much appreciate it. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. And to close out this week's episode, I will leave us with this brief but very important message. We deserve to see Bayorn and Bear Mode battling beasts. And that's what I'm talking about. Talking About.